Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is a show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Jorin Hoffman, founder of Redditus, a partner management tool for B2B SaaS businesses. Completely remote team, fully bootstrapped and intended to be so. Jorin, it's great to see you here. Happy to learn about Redditus. Thank you for having me, Anna. Sure. All right. So first things first, I guess, let's dig a little bit about your background, how you got to build Redditus and, you know, what was the inspiration behind? Yeah. Yeah. How far do we go back with the background? <laughs> that's, uh, the, that's the usual <laughs> question. Yes. So like, I don't know, the first thought of building Redditus maybe. Yeah. Well, let me, I might just do 30 seconds before that as sure. well. I think like a fun part is like I did commercial economics in school. I did like two internships in Australia and, and US and then like you have to go to, to work normally, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I started this super corporate job where I did cold outbound. So I had to do like 60 call attempts per day and like oh, 23 wow. qualitative calls. That's where I learned sales, learned outbound. And as you say in Dutch, like you have an iron plate in front of your face. You, you're not afraid anymore to pick up the, the, the phone and to actually yeah. do sales. And that's where I finally got what I wanted after three years becoming an account manager. And once I was it, I was like, is this actually it? So I think maybe after a couple of months, I, I left that job just because I was like in this wheel where I didn't belong yet. Mm -hmm. I left, I went to, to the startup world, worked in a couple of startups in, in the Netherlands and did three Zoom calls with a Finnish startup. And suddenly I was in Finland working okay. working for them. So I joined when there were 18 people, left when where there were like 130, started in sales, left as head of customer success, leading a team of around like 30 people. And during that time, that was the beginning of Redditors. So when I did a lot of calls also during that job, everybody asked me, this is a great tool, which tool should I use more? And when you do five to 10 demos a day, you get kind of sick of that question. So yeah. I built a website, uh, which is called saleslossmarketing.co. Nothing really happens with that anymore at the moment, but basically the idea uh, there was, I'm going to add all the best sales and marketing tools on the site and basically recommend them to others. So not. Mm -hmm. being a G2, but really a selective group of tools, basically. Okay. That's where I, I got into affiliate marketing. So my idea was at one point I had 25,000 organic visitors per month just by creating content and I wanted to make money out of that. So, I mean, the big goal was to be on the beach somewhere and have like a passive income via affiliate marketing. Didn't really work out because I noticed like, um, there's a lot of tools out there where you work in a silo, you have to log in per portal, like how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I had around 80 tools where I was an affiliate from. And then Ouch. on the other hand, there, there's a couple of tools now, which are competitors of, of Redditors where you can m manage multiple programs from one single dashboard. But I had in one tool, 15,000 clicks and I did not make one sale. So that's a real trust issues. Yeah, and couldn't true. figure out with their support what was going on. Like I really, really tried, but in the end, never found out. So I just decided to build my own tool. And that was the birth of, of Redditus. Okay. So it grew out of your own necessity, out of your own not being so so happy with, with the existing tools. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Okay. So how did you go from you know, building something for yourself to make sure that, you know, next time you have a lot of people 
clicking, buying through your links. How did you go from that to selling it to your first customer? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, a long journey because in the end, like you, when you read the books, right, you have to start with an MVP you have to go small first and then go to market and then check, I guess, like how things are working. That was my first idea to do it like that. At the moment, we're ready to launch. Uh, I decided to actually not launch and just build like a proper tool uh, from the beginning because like our MVP would basically be the thing I didn't like at the, the other tools where you had to log into a portal uh, and you okay. could only manage one different program and the marketplace feature, which is our biggest feature, would take a lot more longer to build. So we were about to launch. I think we were live one day and then I decided, well, this is not actually what I was looking for because I'm just going to sell a product, which I'm not behind yet so let's just build the marketplace as well and then uh, go live so i think we we did that we had the typical chicken egg story of course basically like we need to get offering before affiliates want to join so we did do an, okay. an AppSumo launch just to get uh, the marketplace filled up and after that they basically invite their affiliates so then the network starts really slowly to to expand but I would say we are still a bit in the chicken egg story. Well, not the chicken egg story, but we have to kickstart the, the network effect still uh, at, at this moment. Okay. And when you say marketplace, is it the marketplace for, for the SaaS company? Because I know there are two sides of the platform. Yeah. There is a side for the affiliates and then there is a side for B2B SaaS that are looking to work with affiliates. So which which part were you uh, were struggling to build? I mean... Like, I think at the beginning, like we need to have offerings. So we need to have SaaS companies who say like, hey, this guy is actually building something where we want to join because they, they're paying something uh, for a platform sure. where, of course, they would pay similar amounts to our com to competitors where they can just work in a silo. So we kind of had that similar and we were cheaper at that time, but they had to be convinced also to actually know that the network is going to work out. So yeah. I think the first convincing happens on the SaaS side because um, what is happening because we have a freemium model, um, SaaS companies can set up an affiliate program for free and they can invite their own affiliates. So the affiliates mm -hmm. are going to be invited as well by the SaaS companies. So the more SaaS companies we can, yeah, we were able to get in, the more affiliates would also join as well. Okay. And okay. So that's the chicken and egg kind of situation, whether yeah. Yeah, you add more affiliates first and then they drag their companies or, okay, I understand. All right. Was it easy to convince other companies? Like you said, one of the differentiators was the price. Uh, but again, well, you add more features, you grow, you mature as a company, the price will pick up and, you know, it will eventually become just like anybody else's. Um, so what other differentiators did you use, especially in this early stage to like get your customers? Yeah. Yeah. I think like I, I, we really take the CS approach. So again, like outside of customer success, so that's purely baked in the company. So like we have the freemium model, right? Which, um, none of the competitors have if they have a marketplace function. So that's definitely one where okay. SaaS companies can just set up an affiliate program for free. Like the only thing is they have to invite the affiliates themselves. But if they reach a certain threshold in MRR, then we ask them to start paying us. But then, for example, like our first plan starts at $59 per month. Uh, and they're only going to pay us if they already reach 1K monthly recurring revenue. So our pricing okay. is value-based, so they already earn a lot more than they're actually going to pay us, basically. 
and then the other part uh what was the question again <laughs> how did you differentiate uh, uh yeah. your yeah your, your customer acquisition strategy yeah yeah and i think that like the thing we're doing is we focus on b2b SaaS purely so i sell a lot of no's okay. because we have the freemium plan we do get a lot of questions from people who are selling courses e-commerce anything else technically we might be able to work for them but i kind of just sell no Here which isn't always easy persona. yeah it's, it's not indeed our icp and we have it pretty clear as in it's a b2b SaaS company who is mm -hmm. product-led code or at least have a self-serve so we know that we can track the entire funnel without any manual interventions so okay. that's for us the, the most important thing because we want to do proper business for the affiliates so we want to automate the entire process on the SaaS side so we're not reliable on uh, somebody in between because if somebody gets sick or they're on a holiday we don't we just want things to, to move on and yeah, we have the CS mindset in pro. So live chat support for SaaS companies, but also for affiliates, for example. So if something is wrong, we often know about it pretty quickly because everybody knows now that they can just contact us and uh, we'll fix things. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's talk about your growth strategy, right? You said you are very much oriented towards B2B SaaSes. What about you? What kind of growth model do you use? And if it's, yeah, because we're talking a lot about PLG here, because mm -hmm. we at South Group also believe that it's it, it's a great model for what we are building, but also, well, you can add <clears throat> a lot to it to make it more feasible and to make it more successful so what's yours and is there anything else that you add to the mix yeah yeah i think we have one more challenge that a lot of SaaS companies don't have that we have to grow a marketplace but that's also yeah. one thing where we are like differentiating and as mentioned like it is now starting to kick in so what we for example do we target some of our competitor clients and then we try to move over their affiliate program to us. So mm -hmm. the first step we take is, okay, well, why not run uh, your affiliate program parallel? So have the one you already have running, just set one up with Redditors and let us show how the marketplace works for you. So we had okay. done this with one client. They, within six months, they generated 25,000 total sold, 4K MLR. So now they're convinced as in, hey, this network effect actually works. We're going to move over all our affiliates towards uh, Redditus. So they have around 900 affiliates. So that's for us like a, a boost to I the network. And that's going to also attract new SaaS companies. So we're basically taking that approach where we got a lot of signups from SaaS companies who wanted to set up an affiliate program, didn't know uh, where to start, have to start from zero. And they're relying purely on the marketplace where we kind of want to turn things around a bit where we're going to focus on bigger companies, but still they can start really small with us. So we're not going to charge them high pricing if they're not getting any value, but then we want to grow with them. So we want to show our value. If they, if that turns out, then have them move over their program basically. And moving over their program is just kickstarting the, the network growth for us. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. So you said that a lot of companies come to Redditors and they don't really know how to do it. So do you have kind of onboarding where you can hold uh, this newcomers and lure and teach them how, how to do it? Do you have some materials that you provide? I don't know, videos. What is your strategy there with onboarding to just like show the value that Redditors has and also just uh, walk them through 
the entire like affiliate setting your affiliate program. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do still all of the sales calls and the client calls, so uh, I will maybe nice. help them help them myself, but like that's not scalable, right? So what I've been doing is like we already had a help center from the beginning and I just updated it completely and also added a section like how to grow an affiliate program and it's by far done. But the plan here is that we're going to add videos. We're not creating a course or anything like that, but at least I'm going to show them uh, what I would show in a one-to-one -one call, but then just this allows me to do it in a much more scalable way. So me recording videos, okay. If you just get started, this is where you uh, should be looking at. This is what you should be fixing. This is how you can get your first affiliates and this is how you can grow your program. So by doing this allows me to save a lot of my time and really focus on tweaking things and making sure people yeah, watch them and grow their program basically. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right. Okay. And do you see any like common mistakes that especially first time founders or people that have never set their affiliate program make on Redditus? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a big misconception that people think it's like a magic bullet or it's going to fix the issues they're currently having. Um, so that's not going to be the case. Like affiliate marketing is not going to fix the issues you're currently having. So if you don't have any paid clients, if you can't sell yourself, then don't expect affiliates to do it for you. If you don't have any paid clients, it probably means your conversion rates aren't, or there are no conversion rates because nobody converted, but let's take it in yeah. one step further. If you have some paying clients, but you have not run any other digital marketing channels, you haven't optimized fully your conversion rates, meaning website visit to sign up to paid client basically. So that needs to be in place before you can really start having other people recommending you. Because what an affiliate is going to do, yeah. they're in the end real practical. They're just sending traffic towards your site. People need to sign up. Sales flow remains exactly the same. And then they have to convert into paid clients. An affiliate only gets paid when you generate a paid client. They would get a commission out of that. So if you're not generating paid clients, affiliates will leave, of course. So the foundation has to be in order. So you have to have paid clients. You need to figure out like things internally. Everything has to be optimized because then affiliate marketing is gonna just going to work a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's just like any other strategy. Like, you, first of all, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And mm -hmm. second, just like make sure that, you know, that you have something of value to offer because otherwise it's just, you know, it's not going to sell or it's going to sell 
a few times, but then, you know, kind of just play on it for a long time. It's not a long-term strategy. So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Like I always compare it a bit with SEO. Like it, uh, if you start with SEO, right, you have to put a lot of work and, and effort into it and you won't get anything out of it probably at the beginning. But after that, it starts yeah. compounding. And that's the exact same thing with affiliate marketing. Like it will take time to set things up. It will take time to invite affiliates. It will take time to actually get things started. But once things get started and you're being mentioned and they're getting traffic, mm -hmm. then things can compound over time. So yeah, again, don't be realistic with the goals you're going to set as well. I think that's the, that's the other one. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So what about yourself? Do you use Redditors? Redditors. Of course, yeah, yeah, we eat our own dog food. So we have our own affiliate program. We also have our first paid referrals via clients. So that's nice. And like we're still like considered early stage, right? So all the, I guess the foundation things I just mentioned, like we're in the process of course on making sure we optimize as things as much as possible ourselves. But of course we started with our own affiliate program. We got our own affiliates in. So that's the first thing we did, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's really cool. Uh, so about the like the roadmap and b because you're using the product yourself, just a few days ago, I just read this post on LinkedIn, like ask yourself as a founder, ask yourself, like, how many how many times have you tried your product? When was the last time when you went through the entire onboarding process and so on? So do you do that to perfect the onboarding process? I think yes. the the answer is like I manage some of the programs for our clients. So I actually log in as them and then, for example, approve affiliates, tell them what they need to pay at the end of the month, what uh, check what is going on, etc. So besides, I guess, our own program, I think I manage maybe four others. So I log mm -hmm. in on a regular basis, basically as a SaaS to figure out like how things are doing. So that already itself allows me to, I guess, see what takes me a lot of time basically. So for example, I mean, when this episode goes live, our new feature with the payouts is going to be live as well. Yeah. That was one bottleneck where it just was too much manual work. So like if you do it for one and you have like a, let's say a hundred commissions being generated per month, then like it already takes you a bit of time. Uh, but if, yeah. if you have managed four programs, then it's just undoable. So that's where like we decide, okay, well, we need to automate this a lot more. And that's kind of like what we're doing as in what are the challenges I'm running into? What are the questions I keep getting in support? Can we make mm -hmm. sure that we can actually just, just automate things? So in the end, like we make money for our clients, right? Like it's, that's the first value, but we also need to save them time. Like it shouldn't be uh, a tool where you spend a lot of time, like. Of course it will take time to set up an affiliate program, but it shouldn't take a lot of time to actually use our platform. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. All right. And on that point, I also wanted to ask, like, how do you qualify this feedback? Because, well, not all customers are equal, right? You have yeah. to kind of know who it's coming from. How do you do that? Is there any tools that you're using for it and who, well, basically gets a say in, in what Reddit this is going to look like in the future? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a good question. Like, I think the first question I always ask myself, does this work for all of our clients? Does this work for our ideal customer profile? So is it really focused towards uh, SaaS companies? So like we first had Stripe as a payment integration, then we built Paddle because they're purely focused on SaaS. We'll probably build Chargebee purely focused on SaaS. But any other payment processor, which is just being used by a couple of cli clients, 
that's probably not like uh, good for us. So it just takes a lot of time, a lot okay. of maintenance, and only only fixes uh, the the issue for a couple of clients. So I think I mean the biggest question I always ask myself: Does it work for at least the most of our clients, and does it actually help them to generate uh, more revenue or save time? I think that's that's mm -hmm. basically the questions you want to ask yourself. And just because we're using our tool ourselves. Uh, it is easy to answer um, those kind of questions. And every SaaS company has their North Star metric, right? So yeah. in us, it's, it's basically money generated via affiliates. So like how much money are they generating for the SaaS clients? Because everything is related to it. So the affiliates mm -hmm. makes money, SaaS company earns more, and in the end, our pricing goes up. So does it actually help to get that done? Mm -hmm. So um, Okay, so what's the most important metric for you in your journey, in your growth, MRR? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of have to write, we have to keep the, the lights on. So MRR is of course a big one. And like, that's the first metric everybody asks you when you're in an event, like, oh, well, what is your MRR? What is your ARR? Are you funded? Yeah. That's basically what, what everybody asks, but is it the most important metric? I don't think so. Cause it's not mm -hmm. like, it's not value from uh, what we're delivering to towards our clients. So. Like, of course, we look at our own metrics, signups, paying clients, MRR, growth rate per month, et cetera. But that's more for us. Is it mm -hmm. the most important metric? I don't think so. Like we look at monthly active users, um, number of customers with, with revenue, referral metrics. Um, so basically look at like what are the users doing in the platform and, and are yeah. we actually providing value towards them? So if if that drops and our MRR goes up, at one point we'll have a lot of churn. So yeah. I rather look at are we generating value for our users? And then after that, our MR will follow. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. All right. But let's talk about keeping the lights on. You're completely bootstrapped. I know that you've been playing around with the idea of maybe getting VC funding because it's just, well, it looks so much easier, right? You get the money, you get to spend them, you get to play a little bit. Um, but it comes with the responsibilities, right? So, uh, on that note, I guess you chose consciously being bootstrapped. How is it for you? How do you feel about it? What are the biggest challenges and what are the, you know, the advantages for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, we had this just before indeed podcast, like I wrote my own podcast as well. Right. And I just had Andrew Kazdecki from Acquire and then I have Nathan Latka from FounderPod. They're both bootstrap lovers. When you doubt about getting funding and like listen to those episodes because in the end like indeed you're gonna give away control you're gonna give away equity you're gonna give away a lot of things and you can't take that back of course so we're bootstrapped indeed on purpose and i have been doubting as in because it feels like things are going to be easier when you get funding in when you have money but yeah when you hear it from the other side it's not always the reality it could be but not always of course so yeah, like, I guess, like, how do we get the lights on? I mean, now we're in a position where our clients actually, like we try to charge annual. So at least gives mm -hmm. us time to provide value towards the clients and get money on the bank account. We do some services around like our product. So we have really low entry to our product, right? Premium, then $59 a month. So you, you have to have yeah. a lot of clients to, to keep the lights on with, with the team we have. But what we, for example, do is we do affiliate active affiliate recruitment for some of our clients. And that's like a, a higher package, which helps us to keep okay. the light on. 
plus drive value for our clients. So again, it's helping them to get value out of our platform. So that's yeah, one thing we do to make sure we can stay bootstrapped and also yeah, keep the team happy. Right. So what is the team? I know that you're completely remote. So how many people are now in the team and where are you based? Well, I'm based in the Netherlands in Utrecht. That's also where the company is being located. Well, it's being mm -hmm. registered, Officially. I guess that's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> we have two developers in Romania. Then another co-founder who's not actively involved right now is also in Romania. Then I have my podcast editor who's in, in Kenya. Then I have an advisor who's in Barcelona. And then we have a marketing agency who's in Ukraine who helps us. So, okay. And then I have a, somebody who's helping with affiliate recruitment. She's in Canada. So that's the team. Right. Three full-time and the rest is part-time helping with a really specific thing. All right. So really, really spread out. All right. So how do you do the hiring? Because this is something that we talk about a lot lately, because we're also a huge remote team. And, you know, if you're rapidly growing or, you know, growing at all, you add people into the mix. And it's great to have such a variety of talent out there. But it's also a little bit challenging to find your people and to integrate them into your culture. So how do you do that? How do you communicate with the entire team? Because Canada, Kenya, Ukraine, I'm, I'm just trying to like see the time difference here. So <laughs> it, it cannot be easy either. No, no, but I think most of the people talk to me directly, I guess. So like we don't have an all hands team meeting or anything like that because the developers, they don't really have to talk to the podcast editor, right? Like that's, yeah. I tell him when the podcast is ready, he needs to edit it. Same goes for the person doing affiliate recruitment. They don't really need to talk to the podcast editor or the, the developer, for example. Marketing agency uh, is a bit of a different story. Like they will talk to the developer. So I guess like... How we do it, I mean, Slack is our main channel of communication. So that's where we have everything. Like we have full transparency. So I, I just created last month, I created a channel where everybody is in, no matter like what they do, but everybody who works for us is in that channel. And I will just do a monthly update with our numbers. So not just, I guess, like the Monday, uh, numbers regarding signups, MR, growth rate, our numbers, mm -hmm. but also the numbers from the actual platform. So what is happening with the users? Are they generating money month over month? How are we growing? And also give updates on, on what is happening. So at least on a monthly level, everybody could know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if everybody really wants to know, but at least, yeah, we give them the insights as in what is happening. And that helps people to get motivated. And with the developers who are working full-time, we do team weeks and ideally at one point I want to get everybody in at one place, but that's going to be probably yeah. really tricky because that's just challenge we're going to have. But getting people in, into one room together is always, of course, really powerful. So I definitely want to keep that in. Yeah. Yeah. No, remote is sure. Remote is great. Yeah. But like when you see each other, it's just like a whole other level of excitement and just uh, motivation and everything. But how do you find your teammates in the first place? Like, is it network? Is it, I don't know, LinkedIn? Um, how do you, yeah. How do you make sure that you're aligned in, you know, in your values that you're building? Yeah. Yeah. For us, it, I don't know, it came pretty, it comes pretty natural. Like we're not 
I mean, because we're bootstrapped, we're not growing a huge number of employees, right? Like that's not our goal. Mm -hmm. We try to automate as much as, as possible. Like I think everybody who is now in a team came based on a recommendation and they all started somewhat on like a contractor basis or at least like on, how do you say it? Like small time first and then more time spent. So for example, our front end designer came in as a contractor, he might work like eight okay. so it was to 10 hours per week. First. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's the word I was okay. looking for. <laughs> sure. We worked with him, I think for a year, it might actually be longer. And then after that, he decided to quit his full-time job and basically switch fully to us. So with the podcast editor, like he now has this specific task, but I could see him also taking on other tasks if we're ready for it. So working with people like in a really part-time manner to see what can they do and how do they work? Mm -hmm. Do they fit? And then from there, scaling them into, into full-time. But the only, I guess, like hire I did and we did let him go over the summer was via LinkedIn. I just did a LinkedIn post. I did not make a job title. My job title was purely the LinkedIn post. Got recommendations, mm -hmm. got people uh, sending me messages, had conversations. And that was kind of our hiring process because we're a small team. Okay. They only talk to me and, and my co-founder. So... Um, yeah, it's a really quick process as well. We went from doing the LinkedIn post to hiring, I think in, in two weeks or so. All right. Yeah, it is pretty quick, but I think it's also a, a great strategy. Like if people are on your LinkedIn, they know what you're building, they know what you're talking about they they might be more interested and motivated to join the team. So, uh, I think yeah. it's, it's great. Okay. Well, could you maybe share a hack that helps you? scale the team, scale the business, something that you hold dear to yourself, something that, I don't know, a strategy that you really, uh, that might be unconventional for everybody else, but it's something that helps you build this sustainably. Yeah. Are there hacks? I don't know. I guess like, um, yeah. I mean, the thing Everyone we really want to do. Yeah, everybody likes hack. Like we're doing, I guess, the complete opposite. As in, I don't know if it's a hack, but like build a proper company, build a proper structure, make sure the foundation is really good. So we're going to set ourselves like up for scaling. I think, I mean, a hack is that I run, as mentioned, like my own podcast, right? Where like my hack is to leverage somebody else's network. So I kind of mm -hmm. look at, okay, who has a big network within SaaS? Can I get him or her on my podcast? So as mentioned, I had a couple of weeks back, Andrew Kazdecki from Acquire.com. He has 200,000 followers on, on LinkedIn yeah. and on Twitter, 80,000 on LinkedIn. Nathan, same story. Then uh, Alexander Tuma from SaaS Talk, same story. Patrick Campbell, same story. So I guess that's a bit my hack. It's not a real hack because it does take a lot of time and you have to start somewhere. So you have to work your way up. But once you're at that level of having those guests, then you can actually say, hey, I can just go to somebody else say like, hey, I had these C-level guests from uh, these companies. Would you be up in joining the podcast? You get a quicker yes, that's for sure. And Absolutely. I think the hack there is like, we make it as easy as possible to share something regarding their presence on the podcast. So we provide them promo clips. We have our branding on it. Like the only thing they really have to do is hit publish. And then hoping that they share it with their network. That's basically like our hack as in, tapping into somebody else's network. So it's kind of what we yeah. do with our company, like having somebody else recommend you. Yeah. Okay. Completely agree. I mean, that's what we do also with this podcast. It's just, uh, it's a great way to be in the community, to bring value, to 
you know, to show that we appreciate you. Here is the, here is some exposure. Here is some good questions for you to answer. So let's get you some, yeah, some more audience, more people finding yeah. out about you too, right? Now it's not about us anymore. So yeah, podcast yeah, is, think, yeah, it can be tricky and it takes more time it, than you think, but. Yeah, you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent, that's for sure. And I think that's maybe on my hack as well. Like I'm really consistent. Like everybody always says like, oh, there's a guy with the hoodie again. So uh, <laughs> like I am wearing again for people looking at the video, but this is how people recognize me. So. Yeah. I just spoke at B2B Rocks in Paris and people actually saw like, hey, uh, we, we're using you guys. So that was the first time like they recognized me or at least the logo. And they say like, hey, we're actually uh, trying you guys out. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, right? Leverage somebody else's network and then build that trust slash authority yeah. awareness from a really early stage. Because we need to look at it practically. Growth-wise, we're, I guess, like way too early to do these kinds of things, but we're now mm -hmm. already building it. So it's just going to compound uh, when we really want to scale. It's just going to help us so much. Because in the Absolutely. end, yeah, we're not doing a quick hack and building a quick company. We actually want to build a proper company and, and go for it. So yeah, like no, no hacks. I guess it's just hard work no and, and dedication. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's also something that a lot of founders have to just like get in that there is no hack. Like there, there could be like small things that, to tweak here and there, but it's not a magical pill. They don't work all the time, but it's still good to know like there is something, a little nugget of knowledge that maybe, you know, will bring you a little bit closer. Okay, yeah. so one more question, something very usual on this podcast. What's so far the biggest win and the biggest failure? It could be for you, your personal journey, the founder, or for Redditors? I think the biggest win for us is pushing through, I guess. Because um, as mentioned, it is a long, long ride. And like there's moments yeah. where you definitely think like, okay, well, why am I doing this? Because I had a really good job, good salary. And now uh, my wife is complaining that we can't go out for dinner anymore, for example. So I think like pushing through and really sticking to, to our beliefs and sticking to our ID, that's our biggest win. Because we now pass those hurdles where like just as an example, I quit my job last February. I, I thought it was the time to really start selling. In mm -hmm. August, we actually found out there, there were some things like we really needed to fix in the core of the product. So we took six months to basically rebuild the core of the product where product was sellable, but then not in the way I would I would like it to be. So we, we took that time, but which takes a lot of money, takes a lot of time. Uh, it wasn't really planned. So you, you could think like, okay, well, why? Why are we doing this? So I think yeah. sticking through it and really believing in the idea, believing in 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 what you're building, that's uh, that has been like our biggest win so far. And like now it becomes really fun. As mentioned, looks like somebody recognized me on Paris. Yeah. Uh, we're doing all these fun fun things around it. So yeah, it's worth it. Like uh, stick through it. Okay. So was there any failure or maybe a challenge? Hopefully not a failure. I mean, a failure or like, it could be that, like, uh, I think because of like, for example, what I mentioned as in we had to do this big core update is because I started with, uh, people hiring as a contractor or part-time mm -hmm. where it's not somebody's full-time job, right? So they're not just fully dedicated to you, which also has its challenges because 
people are doing exactly what you're asking them to do, but it doesn't always mean it's the, the good thing to do. So they're not yeah. always like fully dedicated to really think like, is this the best long-term solution, but I am getting paid to do exactly what uh, Joran asked me to do. So I think I should have gotten people earlier full-time and especially my co-founder where give him uh, proper shares, give him proper uh, dedication. So uh, we were building the product we wanted to build like sooner, I guess. So we didn't have to go through this this big core update. So if I would redo it, I will probably have him like join a lot quicker just to make sure that we built a proper product from the beginning. And he really believes in, in, in what we've been building because we've been switching developers here and there a bit, which isn't like the best thing to do. So sure. uh, that is something I would definitely change next time. Okay. All right. Well, I think you've got a great story and a lot of dedication towards what you're doing. You've got a few things going on for you. And I think it's just so great to see like bootstrappers that are just jumping on opportunities like like podcasts, going to, to other shows, doing something that is maybe not scalable, but like you yeah. said, compounding and like getting you there slowly, sustainably. So yeah, really excited to see what's going to happen to Redditors next year and then maybe do another one. Sounds good to me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Joran, for the story. Yeah, and for being here. Cheers. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.